Come to Yuck Yucks tonight. Let's party. I'm Tom Green for Yuck Yucks. And I improve this message. Why not book a Yuck Yucks on tour show for your school, fundraiser, or next corporate event? Go to yuckyucks.com and click on Hire a Comic. Let our experienced agents help put together a show that is right for you. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Be sure to visit us at www.yuckyucks.com. Twitter. Twitter. And follow us on Twitter using hashtag YYCP. You're listening to the Yuck Yucks Comedy. I don't think so. What? What? Welcome to the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. With your host, Jake Hirsch. What's going on, my little yuckamaniacs? This is your host, Jake Hirsch, and I want to thank you for joining me on the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast, episode number two, coming your way right now, shortly. We've got a great show lined up for you. First off, I want to say thank you to our wonderful guest, Miss Nikki Payne, last week. What a great, great episode that was. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not oftentimes you sit down with people that are literally complete strangers uh, to you, I had never met Nikki before, but I, had, like I said, I had just watched her step off the stage and perform an amazing set, and uh, just to sit down with her and and pick her brain and get some of her experiences and stories and just her insight, a lot of wisdom. She is an old soul, I tell you right now. Uh, made me laugh, uh, it really touched my heart, and and just an amazing, amazing person. So thank you again, Nikki Payne, for joining us on the very first episode of the Yuck Yucks Comedy Podcast. On to today's show, folks, it doesn't stop there. The interviews just keep coming, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you a little inside, uh, little, uh, little, little inside uh, tip here. I've been working on some really, really great interviews. Don't tell anybody. But actually, no, tell everybody about it. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, uh, just the interviews that I've done so far. You know what? If Yuck Yucks were to can me right now, I would leave with a smile on my face. Please don't can me. Please don't can me. Please don't fire me. Uh, no, it, the interviews have been absolutely amazing. I got to meet with some really cool people. I've watched some amazing sets. And uh, you know what? Kira just keeps lining up the amazing guests. So thank you very much uh, to Kira, Fatima, everybody at head office there for making the show possible. It's not only making uh, you know Yuck Yuck's uh, vision come to fruition with this podcast. It's allowing me to live my dream to interview some fascinating people. So I couldn't be more honored that you guys are all along for the ride. This show right now, coming up today, we have the electrifying, the absolutely hilarious, the tantalizing, I can't think of any more adjectives, Mr. Ron Funches. That's right, a hit star of the NBC show Undateable, where he plays Shelly. And if you guys have not had a chance to check out this work, a lot of people, when they hear the name Ron Funches, they automatically think to their stand-up. Right, Ron Funches is a great comedian. In fact, that's where I first saw him uh, was doing stand-up, and he's very soft-spoken even in his stand-up, and he's just so witty. His humor is very, very witty, and uh, it, it just you know all the time it leaves the audience in absolute stitches. The show Undateable. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, I really implore that you do. Uh, 
I had not watched that show before. And when I was doing some research on Ron, because I wanted to, you know, it's very rare that I don't know everything that the people that I'm interviewing, uh, their work that they have done, but uh, I had not watched the show before. I got on TV, I checked it out, undateable, and I just started marathoning. And man, it was very addictive. Very, very funny show. And in a world right now where, of course, sitcom TV is very scripted, uh, you know, they've got writers uh, and, and people who, you know, very, very adamant and very particular about actors following the script word by word. These guys are encouraged to ad lib. They're encouraged to throw some improv in there. And it really, I think, you know, lets the actor uh, really get into their characters because it becomes something natural. It's not something that's that's, you know, not organic all the time. So it's great. I you know, we talk about that in the interview. Uh, you guys can listen to to what it's like working on uh, working on that hit show and what it's done for his career, and uh, I couldn't be more uh, just more thrilled to sit down with this guy. Uh, also, he was in the the huge hit show uh, hit movie Get Hard uh, alongside uh, you know huge stars Will Ferrell, Kevin Hart. It was an absolute pleasure to sit down with him and just pick his brain, talk about his comedy career, talk how he came up, and uh, and what he's doing. So, hey everybody. I hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I did doing it. And fresh off his weekend at Yuck Yucks, Vancouver, here is Mr. Ron Funches. Good Baby, got open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around. Cover much ground, got game by the town. My guest today is truly a gifted stand-up comedian, actor, and writer. He has written for The Kroll Show, appeared on Crash and Bernstein, Bob's Burgers, was a regular guest on Chelsea Lately, and still impressively holds the most wins on the hit game show At Midnight. But it's his most recent work that has truly brought this gifted comedian to the forefront. With his hilarious role in the blockbuster comedy movie Get Hard alongside megastars Will Ferrell and Kevin Hart, there seems to be no stopping him. You can see him on the hit NBC show Undateable, where he plays Shelley, the Detroit-loving, scene-stealing, soft-spoken character whose one-liners will leave the audience in stitches. Undateable is now heading into their third season. Fresh off his performance last weekend at Yuck Yucks Vancouver, it's an absolute honor to welcome my guest, Mr. Ron Funches. Ron, how are you? Great. Now, now I feel really good and confident after that intro. <laughs> As everybody tells me, they say, I'm going to bring you with me wherever I go so you can intro me to people. Yeah. <laughs> Get the whole thing. Yeah, you're man. good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. So, hey, tell me about your weekend in Vancouver. How was it out there? Oh, it was wonderful. It was uh, great audiences. I love the city. It's so beautiful. It reminds me of Mr. Rogers' make-believe town. <laughs> But if it was a real town, because it's so clean and nice. And then I also got into a fist fight at a pot store. Uh, so I saw that on Twitter, man. I didn't know if you were uh, if that was tongue in cheek or if that if that really happened, man. What happened? What happened at the no, pot store? was real. <laughs> well, I I was trying to get some because it's just this, it's just in the air everywhere that <laughs> right. you go. But people aren't really too open to sharing it with you if you're not a local person. And so I was like, I better try to find some. 
and and I went to a store that was kind of shady and not not that you know you could tell because they sold a lot of other things. I'm not talking about other drugs. I'm talking about like high heel shoes and like you know oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. things like that. Right. And uh, and so and then the guy just comes in. He's just kind of being real angry and, and and aggressive, and they tell him to leave. And then he gets kind of racist towards this Asian gentleman, and and it really upsets me for some reason, which I don't know why. I mean, I don't have a horse in that race. It was it wasn't anything. There should have been other words that would upset me a lot more. Uh, but I got in the face, and he uh, he punched mine. So it was. Uh, it was but I ended up getting some free pot out of it, and it, it was, and a good story. So it was worth it. It was a great time. That is one of the best stories I've heard, man. How how different is U.S. and Canadian crowds when you tour for comedy, though? Like, do you have to? Do you feel like you you have to shape your comedy, your stand up routine to to kind of fit? Uh, Canadian not at US all. But, no, no, not really. It's actually kind of great because uh, I think the schools are better there. So you guys are usually aware of all my references, even though you're not from here, you know, right, right. from where I live. Uh, if you get the same television and you, you know most of the history, shared histories. Uh, so it, it's usually they're very respectable and nice and enjoyable and enthusiastic. And, you know, it, it's great. I love performing in Canada. Yeah, man. And, and it, 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 I was reading in your bio that you're a Chicago kid. Amazing mm-hmm. town, right? I mean, like you were growing up there. Obviously, you were, you, you know, you, you you spent some time there growing up before you moved on to Portland. But but you were there during the Bulls uh, dynasty. Yeah, it oh, was man. a wonderful time. That, that must I loved have been it. My mom actually city. went to the game uh, where he uh, scored uh, the sixty points, the shrug game. My mom oh, went yes. to that, and, wow. and she still holds that over my head. <laughs> I didn't get to go. You'll never get anything better than that. <laughs> oh man well and you ended up moving to oregon when you were about 13 which to many would be i mean that's a huge transition for uh, for a young kid i mean what was that like for you i mean it was uh it was nice it was a culture shock in a lot of ways i mean it went from an area that was predominantly black to an area that was predominantly not black at all and uh, so it was a little bit different, but it was fun, and it just taught me that it was okay to just be myself and enjoy the things that I enjoy, and things that were popular in one region aren't necessarily popular in another, mm-hmm. but I could just do the things that I like. So it was very eye-opening for me in that way, and I really yeah. enjoyed it. And and, and, yeah, and Portland is such a great town, man. I mean, it's still got some of that West Coast vibe, but it's got kind of a hippie vibe. It's a bit progressive yeah. out there, but yeah, it's kind of got that laid-back laid feel. I like it out there. Yeah, that really worked well for me because Chicago's very rough and uh, cold, and I'm a very laid back person. So it was nice to move to a place that nurtured that, and and I think it you know it helped nurture my comedy and my general uh, my general mannerisms and way of being. <laughs> so it's, it's I'm pretty I love Portland. I appreciate Portland for that. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of your comedy career, I mean, a lot of people. They they seem to steer away from stand up. I mean, they, they go into acting and you know, kind of the 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 lesser hard road traveled. But you know, obviously because of the immediate crowd responses of either bombing or or hitting home runs. But not you though. I mean, you've always seemed really natural in your stand up. And it, was it like that from the very beginning? 
Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> you were scared as hell like everybody else was, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was definitely uh, uh, a hard road of, of learning how to MC, but I learned quickly, I think. I, I just learned from, from, I was a big fan of comedy, I'm still a big fan of comedy, uh, and would, you know, just read a lot of the blogs and, and read a lot in podcasts that started at that time that I started doing comedy. So it just really helped me learn how to, like, so when I first started, I did some of the same stereotypical things that people do where you come out and you're like, who's drinking tonight? And, uh, you know, stuff like that. And I learned quickly that I, that was just me being afraid to, to get to my jokes because I thought people wouldn't like them. So I just learned to just do my jokes and, and, and present my opinions. And that the quickest way for me to get away from just being on the road all the time right. was by presenting a viewpoint that people hadn't seen and, and something that was, you know, really close to me. So I think that's just the best thing that you can do. Definitely. Now, when you made your move from Portland to Los Angeles, uh, in one uh, one interview that uh, you went on to say, quote, you feel like you've reached the ceiling here. I love being able to go up on stage as much as I like, but sometimes you wonder, am I getting a true reaction? So, I mean, clearly there was a certain comfort zone in, in that Portland comedy scene for you. But did you feel at that time that it was important for you to get out there and broaden your horizons? No, absolutely. I always feel like there's a need to continue to challenge yourself and to accomplish things as a human being. And I want to, and there was just, I found out quickly from when I visited California or New York, that there was a big difference from like opening for a big name, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, Pat Oswalt or or Mark Maron or someone like that. And having to follow, follow them on like a nightly basis, you know, where, you know, where they've already pulled all the attention and then you have to go up. Uh, And, and, and that I feel like sharpens you up a lot better than going up before then. So it was just, you know, following new challenges and, and, and just always, I mean, I always wanted to live in LA. I knew I wanted to act. I knew I wanted to write and, and that if the, that I didn't. I knew I didn't like the cold. So I didn't want to go to New York. <laughs> <laughs> that seems, yeah, that seems to be the either, the, yeah, the either or progression for comedians. It's either you know you're you're going to freeze your ass off in New York, or, or you're going to you know surf and swim out in uh, out in Los Angeles. And a lot of people don't know. I mean, like uh, Los Angeles is just it, it, it. You know, people always ask like, oh, you know, what's the draw? What's the draw? But I mean, aside from the entertainment scene, I mean, I grew up in California. I, I'm I'm a California kid, and you have everything right there. You've got the mountains. You've got the ocean. Uh, you've got, you know, Mexico, you've got, I mean, everything. And, and I mean, eclectic wise, you can't get any more <laughs> great, you know, comedy content than you can walk in the streets of Hollywood, man. Yeah. It's beautiful here. First of all, it's beautiful. Definitely. It is nothing like when it's February and you go outside and you're wearing gym shorts and you're <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is wonderful. <laughs> and then it's just a mix of everything. There's just it's, people drive crazy here, so oh, you can yeah. just drive crazy if you want to. <laughs> That's fun, and it's just nice place to. It, you see everything. You see the poorest of the poor. You see the richest of the rich, and it kind of opens your eyes to what's available to you and what's uh, what's out there. And I, I like that. I think it's fun. My son loves 
going outside and seeing uh, uh, like Lamborghini or something. And I like to take his perspective. When he sees a Lamborghini, he doesn't get jealous right. that someone else owns a Lamborghini. He's excited that he saw a Lamborghini. And that's how I feel. I'm like, whoa, those exist for real. People get them. Oh, maybe I could get them if I wanted them, but I probably won't because I don't even know about them that much. You know? <laughs> Oh, and, and and speaking of your son, uh, Ron, uh, your son Malcolm, he he's, yeah. he's autistic, and, and uh, you've talked at length about your son on stage. It's it's, but it's also been through your comedy. You've also brought a lot of awareness to it, and a lot of people don't know about autism. And how how have you found the audience response to that? Have, have parents like approached you about your material, or, or you know, people come up afterwards? Yeah, that's been because um, for a little bit it was uh, I worried about if talking about it was the right thing because I didn't want it, especially when he would, when I did it when he was too young to let me know right. whether he was embarrassed about it or anything of that nature. Right. Um, and, but the response that I got from parents or people who work with children who have autism was just overwhelmingly positive, and they liked the fact that I could make fun of it and that I could bring some light to it and the and to their everyday things that were going on to a lot of people. And it was just a thing that I know that it was like, oh, my son's getting older and he does it. And a lot of things with these children is that they don't look any different from any other children, exactly. you know? And yeah. so it's, it's hard to then go, when you see someone who's in like a wheelchair or you see someone who who uh, is just, you know, that they have a disability, mm-hmm. you know, instinctively you, you treat them with a little more kindness and, and these kids don't really get that that often. Yeah. And so I just, I felt that it was important to just make sure, you know, these kids are out there and they're going to grow up and become adults and they're going to need that kindness, even though they don't look any different from you and I, but mm-hmm. they're going to need a little bit of a helping hand. Because they want to work. I know my son wants to do stuff. He wants to work with cars, and I want to make sure that he's able to do something. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, I, I worked with uh, with kids uh, with autism for years, and and there's such a genius there. I used to call it awesomeism, just because it was like there's yeah. such amazing brilliance. Uh, you know, and and you know, some of the kids were you know, yeah, a little socially awkward, but 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 once you you know, once you scratch that surface, man, it's it's unbelievable the brilliance and. Their their ability yeah, to yeah, uh, such a range and everything yeah. that they do. My son's been able to uh, you know surf the internet and and um, do things since he was like two years old. Right. And I was in, in reading and just I'm just like wow, but like but he can't do things socially and he has difficulty speaking and, and it's just such a range. And so it's like you you know it's just like I you know I don't treat him like he's unable to do things but you know i just give them the, give them respect and then if he needs help i'll give him help exactly exactly beautiful man you know there historically uh, has been a real interesting relationship with comedians and television and of course we're talking about your hit show undateable but in the earlier days it seems like the usual progression was comics trying to make it on you know either they were on variety shows or, or ones like snl it seems like there isn't a real middle ground. I mean, some really love it. Uh, some comedians hate it. Uh, what has been your experience working on, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, so, I mean, it, it's a massive show, man. I mean, Undateable is huge. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the biggest thing I've worked on. I, I've, but I've, like, working on all my the projects that I've worked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 
Girl Show was awesome to write for and then do some acting on and and uh, I did some writing for Eric Andre's show and that was really fun and just did, gave me some uh, oh I mean Crash and Bernstein was a really big help because I got to work with uh, Danny Woodburn who who was on Seinfeld that's right and uh, uh, um, ah, I forget the name of oh, Mickey he was Tank Kramer's friend Mickey right, on Seinfeld right. and he taught me. A, a lot about character acting and, and, and it was really helped me get ready when I got the opportunity to, for, for undateable. And I love it. I love acting. I, I love when I get on a set and I see that, you know, there's three walls and there's a roof missing. And I'm like, Oh, this is fake. And I'm like, yeah, I get this. This is fun. <laughs> you know, but I think, you know, some of the actors that I've spoken to, I mean, it seems to be a pretty big general consensus. I mean, a lot of actors go through runs where they audition a lot for pilots. And a lot of times it seems nowadays that, you know, networks are very quick to cancel shows. I mean, some actors have talked mm-hmm. a lot about, you know, having that moment where they could finally let their guard down or, or even relax a little when they knew that their show, you know, was a hit or got picked up for a second season. Uh, when you were doing some of those first runs and those read read throughs for undateable, did you feel like you were going to get that moment? Like, did you know you guys were onto something? Pretty special. Uh, I mean, I don't think we're. We still don't feel safe. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> we're very much not feeling safe yet. Uh, but we felt that we definitely had a chemistry and that we had something special. And it was a little bit um, difficult for some of us because for some of us, it was our first like real reoccurring things like right. for me I, I did mostly just a couple guest star roles right. and so I was like I think this is special but maybe <laughs> this is just what everything is like and then in between the first and second season I got to go do some more roles on some other things and then I was like oh okay this doesn't this isn't as fun I mean I'm still working and having fun but this isn't like the fun that I'm, and at Undateable they really give us a control of our characters and control of the jokes and and the uh really are open to us pitching jokes and for for everybody like i can pitch jokes for chris or brent for anybody and and everybody's open to just making the show better from top to bottom and i went to some places where it just seemed like they were like oh we want to get you we saw you on undateable but then when i get there and i want to play around they're like you know, just stick to the script. Right, you know? right. And so it was like, oh, okay, not everybody's like Bill. Not everybody, you know, wants, you know, some people just want to go home, you yeah. know, and I never felt like that at, uh, at Undateable. I feel like everybody from top to bottom, from catering to to the editors to, to, to everybody who works there is always trying to make the best show possible. Yeah. And, and and that way, I was like, I feel like this is very, very special. So I'm just hope, I'm just glad that now it feels like people, especially when we did the live show, and now they're all going to be live, that people are like, oh, this is weird and different. And this is, I think, you know, you look at it and you want to say like, oh, this is just a normal sitcom. But if you really, if you watch it, you know, it's a weird show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's dynamite. And I, and, you know, and, and I think that, you know, like, I mean, you're in a real rare position in the world of, of scripted television. Like you said, where not only is improv being done with Indatable, but it's actually encouraged in a lot of areas. And does that give you a little more freedom in being able to give your character kind of more of that personal touch? Yeah, absolutely. It just gives you freedom to be like, oh, I don't, 
this is what I would say, or this is what I feel like I could add to this, or this is what I could do to change things. Or, and it's never really like, oh, I don't like this, let's change this. It was just adding things. Yes. Uh, there was a joke that I really liked doing, uh, and I'm sure no one will remember, but I really liked it where uh, we talked about me working at the retirement home, right. and I say that uh, they wrote it as, you know, oh, uh, we got to get him the suit. He owes me anyway. Uh, he, I give him extra nap time when he knows he's supposed to be in activities room, <laughs> and that's supposed to be the end of it. Right. And then I just thought, like, you know, if that's me, I'm probably napping too. <laughs> and so then I was like, oh, I'm going to go, well, he lets me nap when I'm supposed to be working. And then they, that's what they use as the whole thing. And I was like, that's awesome that, you know, we build something together. Exactly. And that's pretty much what the show is like. Yeah, man. And, and of course, you know, you work with such a great cast on that show. And, and it, and it really seemed, I mean, there's very few shows that are able to capture some of that chemistry. And, and you know, I, I, you know, shows like Entourage and stuff like that, where you have this group of people that are really, you know, in every episode and they stick together and the comedy really revolves around scenarios that they are placed into. But it really feels like a group of friends that could easily be anyone's group of friends. Like, was that, was that a natural or organic thing or, or did that take a while for you guys to, 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 to kind of bond? I mean, I mean, for most of us, it's pretty. It's just, it, it just was natural. And it's weird because you know, Chris and Brent—they've known each other since Brent was eighteen years old. Right. So about twenty years. So, <laughs> 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 they were thick as thieves by this time. Yeah. 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 He's old, uh, but yeah. So they've known each other for a long time. And Rick and Brent are roommates still. Uh, and, you know, I just met them and we just really clicked and I've known Chris's comedy for a long time. And, and it really felt like, you know, when Bridget came on the show that it just really clicked and we we're like, this is like, this is the family. And, and we just really hang out all the time. We text each other all the time. I wake up every day to a bunch of weird texts that I don't understand <laughs> from Bridget and Chris using emojis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's awesome! And and I mean, is it is it one of those situations where where you're looking around? And, I mean, do you ever have those uh, moments, Ron, where you look around and you just say, "Damn, I can't believe I'm here." Yeah, I mean, we all we always try to at least stop every now and then. I know I usually I try to I get to work before everybody else usually right. just because I live pretty close and and. I like it there, and there's free food there. Uh, <laughs> Catering is on point. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I usually get there, and I just kind of look around, and, and I see the like names on the parking space, and you know, and I see other names on other parking spaces, and they get painted over. And I was just like, oh, well, these ones have been here for a couple of years now, and that makes me, you know, they're so lucky. And I get to go to work with a bunch of my friends who I hang out with anyway. Oh, and, yeah. You know, it's just it's really wonderful and i'm on like a, a tv show that i think is super fun and i'm proud to be on and i'm like this is like fun like family matters i'm like this is a fun show i'm so happy to to do it so just i'm i feel blessed all the time we're always oh. pretty happy until it gets you know in the middle of the day we want to go home <laughs> <laughs> and then of course i mean you've got you've had some i mean amazing guest stars a lot of cameos on there zach braff i mean ed sheeran uh donald Faison, i mean drew pinsky uh the, it just goes on and on man i mean it, what's it like rubbing elbows with uh with some of these people it's awesome and what i really like about it that it's like it's not like 
a bunch of guys who got paid a bunch of money to come be on the show. Right. You know, like Dr. Drew and and um, Mike came on the show because Mike's Bianca's husband, and they supported the show from the beginning. They put us on Love Line, like on the beginning when nobody would, you know, would wanted to interview us. Yeah. And, and so when we did a live show, they came and were on the show. Oh, and, and Bill has such a... Uh, respect and relationships with people that you know you just call up Donald and, and Zach and just be like, hey, you guys owe me a favor because I made you rich. Made you... <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> oh man, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. All right, man. I tell you what, I'm gonna do a little lightning round with you. I'm gonna throw out some words, or some 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 phrases here, and I want you to let me know what comes to mind. How's that sound? Absolutely. All right. Woodlawn neighborhood. What does that mean to you? That's where I grew up. It also means like a a store at the end of the block that had Cheetos that I liked to go to, but people would get arrested in front of all the time. So it was (laughs) such a go of whether I would want to go there or not. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what do you think of when I say I love Lucy and Benny Hill? Uh, Those are the two shows that got me into comedy. And uh, Benny Hill also got me into boobies. Uh, <laughs> but I Love Lucy is my favorite. Lucy Ball is my favorite person. I watched I Love Lucy, I watched I Love Lucy yesterday. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Douglas McKay High School. <laughs> uh, mostly sitting out in front of lockers. Uh, reading the misanthrope, not getting dates at all, wishing that girls would pay attention to me, <laughs> um, not knowing that I would be doing comedy later. But but being really into comedy, probably listening to a lot of Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Monday Night Raw or Nitro? Oh, Monday Night Raw. Nitro's too slow. I'm not a Southern boy, but I love them both. I like I love just wrestling, but Monday Night Raw for sure. Oh, two more for you here. What What about if I say the name Fat Tony? <laughs> I do my research, man. I do my research. How do you know Fat Tony? <laughs> I don't. I've, I've heard of the legendary Fat Tony from the Woodlawn neighborhood, man, but I, I thought I would ask you. Oh, uh, Fat Tony, yeah, I definitely remember Fat Tony. Fat Tony's a cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, last one, man. Kevin Johnson Converse. What does that mean to you? Oh, those were the first $100 shoes my mom ever purchased me. I loved them so much, I never took them off. I went to camp with them. Uh, then my feet really stuck them up, and people made fun of me. Uh, and it really scarred me, but I love those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. You can catch my guest Ron Funches on his hit show, Undateable, on NBC. You can also visit him at ronfunches.com. And, of course, on his hilarious Twitter, at Ron Funches. I'm going to tweet you, man. I hope uh, I hope you can follow me back. That way I can hit you up whenever we uh, we drop this episode. And, uh, hey, man, an absolute pleasure. Huge fan of your work. And, and, and thanks for doing this, man. It was a pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for knowing a lot of stuff about me. and doing I did not know it was available. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy that Southern California weather, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too, man. Bye-bye. All right, and there you have it. 
star of the hit NBC show Undateable, Mr. Ron Funches. want to thank Ron for taking the time out of his busy schedule to uh, hook up with me and do this interview. And of course, before I let you go, do not forget to check us out at yuckyucks.com. Follow us on Twitter. Use the hashtag YYCP. And of course, on behalf of myself, the wonderful crew we have here at Yuck Yucks, Kira, Fatima, Mr. Mark Reslin, and of course, all those who make this show possible. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.